God's still worthy. Amen. Amen. I ask you to take your Bibles and turn to the book of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to be standing in a moment and reading verses 14 to 17. If you're using that pew Bible in front of you, you can find it on page 1,368. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 is where we'll pick up in a minute. One of the greatest challenges that I have found in my personal Christian walk is the ability to have a consistent daily Bible reading practice. Now, I know people, many of you, are in God's Word regularly, effectively, every single day. I get to witness one. Every day my wife is in the Word. I see it. And it challenges me. And it encourages me to do that. Also, though, that many of you, like me, struggle with finding the time to be in God's Word every day. Do you notice I use the word finding the time? Do you know one of the things that you find out is when people don't do that, it's because they can't find the time. Most of their reasons sort of center around that. Well, I noticed something as I was thinking about my time. I have not found that I struggle with eating every day. Not just one meal where I'm able to squeeze one in. I mean, I regularly, even in this shape right here, I have found a way every day to eat every time I was hungry. And so I really don't think that God's word or our challenge with it is because we don't have the time. I believe that we are challenged to regularly be in God's Word because we may not value it appropriately. Or we may not see it as important enough. This week I came upon an uh, article in Christianity Today. Now it's from April of 2022, so it's getting close to a year old. The title of this article was, 26 million Americans stopped reading the Bible regularly during COVID-19. It also talked about in this article that there was a survey that is annually completed by an organization called the American Bible Society. It's been done for at least 12 years, or I at least saw 12 years of history in there. And it said that since 2011, the percentage of people regularly reading God's Word had stayed relatively steady. Now, let me just define to you what regularly reading God's Word is now. In 2021, catch this, 50% of Americans said they read the Bible on their own. That's an important, on their own. At least three or four per, three or four times per year. Now you thought I was going to say three or four times a week. I thought it was going to be three or four times. I had to go back and read that again. It said that in 2021, 50% of Americans, when they were surveyed, 
said that they regularly, on their own, choose to read God's Word three or four times per year. In 2022, the latest research, this percentage dropped from 50% of Americans to 39% of Americans. Church, that's a nearly 25% reduction one year to the next. So 39% of Americans confess to reading on their own regularly the Word of God, which amounts to three or four times per year. When I was talking to people, we were trying to figure out, what do you think those times are? Maybe Christmas, maybe Easter, and then we couldn't figure out what the next natural two might be, but three or four times per year. This article goes on to say that this is the steepest, sharpest decline on record. To add salt to the wound, according to the same survey, more than 13 million of the most faithful readers, these people read more than three or four times per year. They read a lot. But it said that 13 million of what was defined as the most, most faithful readers of God's Word had stated that they are reading God's Word less. Currently, only 10% of Americans in this survey report daily Bible reading. In reviewing the data, it is thought that independent Bible reading is directly connected with active church attendance. And I read this and I'm going, Lord, you are sovereign and you are leading and guiding us because as you know, last week we talked about the value of why I, what Scripture says about regularly go to church or engage in the body as we're supposed to. I read this quote. Isolation from other Christians has a, quote, lethal impact on private Bible reading. When people are not in church, they are not reminded of the blessings of Scripture and its importance for their lives. Last week, I've just mentioned, we spoke on why I go to church. This morning, we're going to cover why I trust God's Word. I ask you to stand with me, and we're going to read from the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 3. And I'm going to read verses 14 to 17. 2 Timothy 3, 14 says, But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Thank you, church. Keep your Scripture open. Now, Paul is writing to Timothy in 2 Timothy, reminding him, he said in verse 14 here of chapter 3, of the things which he had learned, the things that he had been assured of, and from whom you have learned them. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, if we were to go back, and we're not, I'm just giving you a summary of what Paul references Timothy's mother Eunice and his grandmother Lois in helping him 
come to faith in Jesus. Verse 15 of today's passage says that you have known the Holy Scripture since childhood. Now, everybody that is sixth grade and below, unless you chose to stay in here, and you're always welcome as children to choose to stay in here, but everybody that's sixth grade and below is now in children's church right now, or you're right here. Timothy can look back in his life and see that the value that he is placing on the Word was instilled in him from his mom and from his grandmother. Now, somebody has challenged you to be in God's Word up to this point. I'm not sure who it is. It might be a relative. It might be a friend. It could be your spouse. That's challenged you to be in Scripture to know Scripture. Verse 15 goes on to say that those scriptures that he has known from mom and grandmother from reading scripture that he's been taught and assured of since childhood, verse 15 says, those scriptures have made you wise for salvation. And then two great verses. I'm going to read them again. 16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Paul is reminding Timothy of how critical and how powerful the scriptures are to be, or just are, in your faith. Now, church, this very simple passage that we have learned growing up. Our kids probably learned in Awana, if you're in the age group of parents and kids that I had. We've learned this. We've heard this scripture before. But this scripture, this very simple passage carries with it four critical attributes of God's Word. And we're going to allow this passage to guide us through these four attributes or four main characteristics of God's Word in hope that we come to a greater understanding of the value and the importance of God's Word. And I'm just going to go ahead and tell you what I want the answer to be before where we're heading. I'm going to give you the, the plot twist at the end. I pray that at the end of today's service, you have a greater desire and a greater commitment to be in God's Word every single day. Not because you have to be. Not because you're supposed to be. Not so that you can put that check mark on your pink envelope that said, I did it every day. We still have people that do that. And I'm not trying to discourage that. But I want you to be in God's Word because it is the absolute key to your health and survival as a child of God. That's how important I want the Word to become to you. Now, you're going to want to take some notes, but I want to I help you just a little bit. There are going to be four points. You guys saw that, right? Four? There are going to be four points that we're going to make today. And I'm going to give you some help. We're going to put something up in just a minute. And we're going to talk about these four points. And I don't want you to panic and try to write everything down. What I want you to do on your notes, because the whole back is notes, is put a one. Angela's mad at me. I lifted my hand up. Do you know that when I do a weekly video and I move my arms around, you know, I get as many people saying, oh, Addie, as cute as I am, why aren't you wearing your sling? 
Listen, I'm trying to be good. But I want you on your notes to put one, two, three, four. We're getting ready to see some lengthy things that you're not going to be able to write down because I can read faster than you can write down, even if you're a fast writer. But if you want what these one, two, three, four things are, we created a sermon note guideline. We put probably not enough of them, I hope, in the Welcome Center window. And you can go by and grab those. And the definition of one, two, three, and four will be on there so that with your sermon notes right now can be able to walk through. But we're going to talk. So let's put up the first slide called the authority of Scripture. Church, you don't have to write this down. This is on that document, or you can. Or if you just want to write down authority. The authority of Scripture, doctrinally speaking, theologically speaking, this is a well-used and come-together definition of the authority. The authority of Scripture means that all the words in Scripture are God's words in such a way that to disbelieve or disobey any word of Scripture is to disbelieve or disobey God. Now, that's from Systematic Theology, Gruden, and I, I think it had the page number up there, page 73. Now, I mentioned to you that's on that piece of paper. But let's go back and look at Timothy. Verse 16 says, all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God. Church, that means all. Capital A, capital L, capital L. From the Old Testament, if you go back and just take, I'm just going to give you a quick from the Old Testament, we see hundreds and hundreds of times the phrase, thus says the Lord. God spoke to people and had them write down and share what he had said. Verse 16 says that the word inspired can be defined as breathed out, that God literally spoke his word, took, took time to give us his word. Moses' words were attributed as God's words. Jeremiah's words, as God's words. In the Old Testament, God's words were seen being given through people. But it doesn't just stop in the Old Testament. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 4 and in Matthew chapter 19, and I'm not saying these are the only places, these are just two references you can go to, quotes the Old Testament and calls it Scripture. Peter, in Acts chapter 1, verse 16, spoke of the Holy Spirit speaking to King David, now being fulfilled as Scripture. So we need to see that in New Testament times, Old Testament Scripture that was pulled together by that time was seen as authoritative and powerful as the words of God. Paul, in Romans chapter 15, verse 4, says this, for whatever things were written before were written for our learning that we, through the patience and the comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. We talked in our small group Sunday school class this morning about how our faith contains hope. And so these Scriptures give us hope with help grow our faith. And Peter, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 14 to 16, he mentions, go and write that down. You're going to want to go and see this because you're going, I never saw that before. Mentions that Paul's epistles or Paul's letters that he wrote to the church were Scripture. Even in contemporary times, God was so clear in what he was saying 
to whom he was saying it and how he was getting it out, that Paul's letters were seen then as from God. That's why Paul said, listen to this. That's why Paul said, share this. Send this to other places. The distribution of God's word makes a difference in the lives of individuals. Church, since scripture comes from God, it is the authority. There is none higher. Now, I, I've, I had this great conversation with myself and, and others. You know, Scripture says that it is the highest authority, so we should follow it. And we follow Scripture because it's the highest authority. Says who? Some in this world might say. And the answer is, says God's Word. And you're going, but that's a circular conversation. You can't have Scripture telling you it's the boss, so you should let it be the boss because Scripture said so. Well, let me just challenge you for just a second if that happens to be your thinking, or let me arm you with how to talk to people who take that perspective. Everything that is considered ultimate authority always ends with a circular reference. Because if there is something that has to prove to me and you that God's Word is God's Word and should be authority, then that means that there is something higher than God's Word. And Scripture teaches from the beginning to the end that there is nothing higher than God's Word. It is authority. Now catch this. I'm getting ready to go grammatical on you, and you're going, oh, that's scary, Jeff, because I haven't even run this past Angela yet, because what you guys may not know, Angela doesn't know what I'm getting ready to say. I try to, as her husband, allow her to go to church. If she became my vetter of everything, then church would be a replay for her. So she doesn't always know, and it scares her a little bit especially when I go, I'm getting ready to become grammatical with you. But write this scripture down. This is awesome. John 17, 17. It's the second time today it's come up. We had it in prayer time this morning during our prayer time with the men. It was mentioned here. It says, Jesus said this in John 17, 17. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Now, here's where I want to get grammatical for just a second. If you go back and you break down the original words, the word for truth here is not an adjective. Usually, the word for truth is used as an adjective. It is truth. It's describing whatever it is you're talking about. It's an adjective. But when you go back to the original language and you look at this, this is not an adjective. The word that originally was written right here is a noun. John isn't saying that it is true and accurate, that God's Word is not true and accurate. God's Word, I mean, Paul, Jesus is saying, there's a lot of things going around in his head. Jesus is saying, Scripture is not accurate and true. Jesus is saying, because it's a noun, it is truth. Period. Drop the mic. That's what it is. It is the ultimate source of truth. 
We have said that all Scripture is given by God. We have said that all Scripture is truth. Therefore, we must conclude that Scripture will always tell the truth about everything it talks about and therefore should be considered inerrant. I hope you believe that the Word of God is inerrant. There are no errors. It is the authoritative, breathed out, Revelation of God to us. Amen? Amen? That's point number one. Point number two. Point number one was authority of Scripture. Point number two is the clarity of Scripture. Write the word clarity down. Now, this is a definition here. The clarity of Scripture means that the Bible is written in such a way that its teachings are able to be understood by all who will read it, seeking God's help and being willing to follow it. So let's talk about clarity for just a second. Verse 15 in today's passage, Paul's writing to Timothy, he says, from your childhood you have known the Scriptures. Do you know Jesus spoke and he said that we are to come to him as children? That until we come to him as children, we really can't come to him. I was 11 years old when I came to know Jesus as my Savior. I was the slow mover in my family. My wife was seven. Micah was seven. And Caleb was five. Five. And somebody here, even his parents thought this, well, hold it. What? I mean, can a five-year-old get it? Let me tell you what we need to know about God's Word. Clarity. The Scripture can help a child know if that child desires and is seeking God in it. And I'll tell you that that five-year-old of mine is now a 30-year-old of mine. And he's in church right now. And he's serving. Now, I'm not positioning him as having made it. I'm just trying to tell you that Scripture is clear, young or old. You know, it's, it's interesting when we talk about clarity of Scripture. A week ago Wednesday, you know, we didn't meet this past Wednesday, but a week ago Wednesday we studied Psalm 19, and we covered what was defined as general revelation, what anyone can know about God because of creation in the world. And special revelation, what God says directly to us. And we define then, and I'm reminding you now, that God's special revelation to us is His Word. The Scriptures. The Bible. It is through Scripture that we understand our need for salvation. Write this note down. Romans chapter 10, 13 to 17. I'm going to read it for you. I've jumped the tracks here just a little bit. I went all the way. These two fingers, I knew they were going to let me down. So let me try to position us back to clarity for just a second, okay? Jesus said that we are to come to him as a child. Psalm 19.7 says that the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Psalm 119.130 says, Your word gives understanding to the simple. Clarity means, church, can be understood. 
1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 says that Scripture is spiritually discerned. Ken and I have talked a number of different times, and when anybody gets to understand what Scripture is saying, it, Scripture says, is a work of the Holy Spirit, revealing truth to us. Jesus always encouraged people, whether they were for or against what he was saying. But think about this. When people would come to Jesus, he would make these statements. Have you not read? Do you not know the scriptures? You see, God's word is not confusing. It is clear. Jesus is saying, had you taken time to read the scripture, to know before you questioned, you would know the truth because scripture is clear. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 through 9 says this, and these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontless between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. God intends for us to invest our time and seek Him in His Word. It should be the topic of conversation. Frontlets, they're carrying around Scripture attached to their head. Teach them to your children. Teach them to your family. Let it be conversations that you have. Now, there's a technical word here I'll just throw out there is hermeneutics. Hermeneutics is the study of the correct methods and interpretations of Scripture. Church, clarity means that when we seek God and desire to know what He has for us, that we can understand Scripture, that He will help us. Scripture is not hard to understand when we put forth the effort of being in there. So number one, authority of Scripture. Number two, clarity of Scripture. And this is where I messed up your notes a minute ago, so I'm sorry. You can make a little couple of arrows from number two. We'll retouch those, okay? Number three, the necessity of Scripture. Look at this. Necessity is a good word for you to write down right here. The necessity of Scripture means that the Bible is necessary for knowing the gospel, for maintaining spiritual life, and for knowing God's will. But it is not necessary for knowing that God exists or for knowing something about God's character and moral laws. Necessity of Scripture. Verse 15, in our today's passage, Paul said that the Holy Scriptures can make you wise for salvation through faith. Now, I was getting ready to read under necessity Romans chapter 10, verses 13 to 17. And that's where I caught my mistake. So... If you wrote it up in number two, just drag a little arrow down there to number three. But Romans chapter 10, 13 to 17 says this. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call in him, on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Scripture, did you notice there that 
unless we are given the revealed word of God, we don't even know that we're in trouble with God. Scripture is necessary for you to know what sin is, for you to know how God feels about that sin, for you to know that broken relationship that sin creates in every life. Without this revelation, you would never know that God had a plan, sent his son, the gospel. We need to recognize that Scripture reveals to us the necessity that we have for it because it illuminates our need. Think back to when you came to know Christ or when I came to know Christ. It wasn't because somebody just sat down and said, Jeff, you need to believe this, and I went, okay. Here's what I do when I lead somebody to Christ or when I'm counseling. I take my Bible and I say, hey, can I come sit next to you for a second? And I turn my Bible around and I sit next to them and I go, hey, would you read that verse for me? Would you read that verse for me? And we talk about for all have sinned and we talk about the gift of God or deserving of death. We talked about, you know, how God demonstrated his love toward us, Romans 5, 8. We talk about the gospel but not because, hey, I want you to believe what I say. Church, the only thing that I will ever effectively be able to say is, what does Scripture say? Because Scripture is what teaches us our need. But not only is Scripture necessary for us to understand our need for salvation, Scripture is what helps us daily live for God and grow spiritually. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, which is in the temptation, He said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. God breathed all Scripture, profitable for life. Jesus said, Not only do you need it because it teaches you your need for salvation because of your relationship with God having a problem with sin. It goes on to teach you how to live. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2 says that we are to desire the pure milk of the word that we may grow. So see, Scripture is necessary for salvation. Scripture is necessary for us to grow daily in our walk and faith in the Lord. And it's necessary to know the will of God. Psalms 1-2 says this, Blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord. 1 John 5, 3 says this, For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. God says, you want to know me, you want to know my purposes for you, you want to know my will, it's in my word that I've given to you. It's necessary. Without God giving us His word, we would not know our need for Him, understand His desire to be in relationship with us, or live our lives correctly before Him. Now, I'll just go off on a tangent for just a second. Angela and I, we're, this coming Tuesday, we will celebrate our fourth week of Two Broken Arms. We've laughed our way through. We've worked our way through. We've sacrificed our way through. My wife loves me. I don't know why she loves me. But every time she does something to take care of me, it reminds me how much she loves me. And you're going, Jeff, what's that have to do with anything? Every time I'm in God's Word and I read it seeking Him, I am reminded of how much God loves me. And I'll tell you this. 
I'm sorry that I'm burdening her, and she's going to say I'm not a burden, and I know I really am, because how could you not be? But it's nice to know you're loved. Can I tell you that wherever you've been, whatever you've done, whatever you're caught up in right now, God's Word says He loves you. And every time you're in God's Word, He will remind you, I love you. I love you. I love you. And he will draw you to Him. Scripture is authority. Scripture is clarity. Scripture is necessary. And point number four, the sufficiency of Scripture. Let's read this one. Sufficiency of Scripture. The sufficiency of Scripture means that Scripture contained all the words of God He intended His people to have at each stage of redemptive history. And that it now contains all the words of God we need for salvation, for trusting Him perfectly, and for obeying Him perfectly. Sufficiency of Scripture. Verse 16, back in Timothy, says, It's profitable for us for doctrine, Reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Do you know this? God has works planned for you, and He's given you everything you need in Scripture to be ready to do those. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says, As His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by His glory and virtue. God's Word can teach us how to come to know Christ. God's Word can teach us how to live before Christ and can help answer all the questions you may have along the way. When people come and talk to me, one of the things I encourage them to do is say, what does God's Word say here? Do you know that I believe, you probably will agree, that if we would adhere to God's Word being the answer to the question we have, we would have less questions. We'd have more peace, more faithfulness, more effective lives being lived for the Lord. Which goes back to the, Jeff, why are you having trouble being in God's Word every day? Well, I'm eating every day, so obviously I don't see the value of it. I don't see the importance of it, because if I did, I'd be in there every single day you can't stop me. I'll skip food before I skip God's Word. But the challenge that we find right there is that I believe there's another issue too. If you daily spend time in God's Word and you understand, because it'll teach you, it's authority, it's clarity, it's necessity, and it's sufficiency, it'll change you. And one of our greatest challenges in life is resisting change. Ephesians 2.10 said, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God not only knows the plans He has for you, He's given you all the instructions you need in order to fulfill them. God's Word not only shows us His purpose for us, but He equips us to fulfill it. I was given a book by a church member. It's a great book. 
Many of you may have it as well, but it's, it's, a, it's a book called The Valley of Vision. And it is a compilation of Puritan prayers. And church, this is not like written three years ago. This is not contemporary. The Puritans were, you know, before. But there's this prayer in here called a minister's Bible. Now, based on the backdrop of authority, clarity, necessity, and sufficiency of God's Word, listen to this prayer that I pulled. O God of truth, I thank Thee for the Holy Scriptures, their precepts, promises, directions, light. In them may I learn more of Christ, be enabled to retain His truth, and have grace to follow it. Help me to lift up the gates of my soul that he may come in and show me himself when I search the scriptures. For I have no lines to fathom its depth, no wings to soar its heights. By his aid may I be enabled to explore all of its truths. Love them with all my heart, embrace them with all my power, and engraft them into my life. Bless to my soul all the grains of truth garnered from thy word. May they take deep root, be refreshed by heavenly dew, be ripened by heavenly rays, be harvested to my joy and thy praise. Help me to gain profit by what I read as treasure beyond all treasure, a fountain which can replenish my dry heart. It's waters flowing through me as a perennial river on drawn by the Holy Spirit. Enable me to distill from its pages faithful prayer that grasps the arm of thy omnipotence, achieves wonders, obtains blessings, and draws down streams of mercy. From it, show me how my words have often been unfaithful to thee, injurious to my fellow men, empty of grace, full of folly, dishonoring to my calling. Then write thy own words upon my heart and inscribe them on my lips. So shall all glory be to thee in my reading of thy word. That's a drop mic moment. I can get you a copy of that if you reach out to me. Let me know. So church, as we close, do you believe that God's word is the authority? Do you believe that it is clear? Do you believe that it is necessary? Do you believe that it is sufficient? You see, if you believe these four characteristics of God's word are true, then nothing should stop you because you will have a hunger and a desire and a drive and a passion and all these other words I could conjure up to be in God's Word. You wouldn't let anything stop you. Nothing. And so I told you at the beginning what my goal was at the end. And my goal at the end is that you will come to understand the value of God's Word to touch your life to bring you to Jesus, to help you live right, 
to help you honor God, to answer your questions. And then God will use that to then use you to help others come to him. It's my prayer that you will desire to be in God's word more now than ever before. Amen? Amen.